From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. The big thing is obviously CPI this week. Tell me again what you're expecting from that CPI number. Yeah, it's going to come down probably about a half a point on the year over year, but it's largely because of comparisons. The inflation picture over the last month hasn't gotten meaningfully better, but still, it's going to be a top. It's going to look like a top anyway. I mean, could it go higher later? I guess, but probably not. I think the market's going to like it. It's going to be headline around 8%, but that's certainly better than 8.5. And then uh, we should see about the same story on, on, on PPI. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. Jeff, if you recall a week ago when we did this, I was setting up in my office and I just had some adventures setting up once again, but I dropped the entire backdrop that I'm touching behind me here on my foot. So the update there, remember when I did it, I said my entire foot hurt. Then it started, it was my right or my left big toe started to hurt. I don't think I broke it, but I might have cracked something. And as I'm standing right now, it still hurts a little bit. Do you think I cracked something or what's your best guess there? Well, that's not a real important part of the foot. So <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter. But yeah, you probably did, uh, you know, crack it slightly, you know, yeah. or um, otherwise just a really bad bruise for it to hurt for a whole week. Yeah, it's uh, a week, a week later, it's still it's still stinging a little bit. But you know, that's uh the things we do for our job, I guess I'll say. Let's leave, let's leave it at that. But Jeff, there's a lot of things to talk about as always. I mean, stocks have continued to sell off literally as of yesterday, one of the worst three-day sell-offs we've seen since the depths of the pandemic. Uh, so this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to talk about the idea, is the Fed put dead? We're going to take a look at the Fed hiked rates last week, um, and then is the Fed put dead? We'll talk about that. A little bit of an economic review, had different economic uh, pieces come out lately. Productivity came in a little bit weaker, GDP came in, and the jobs number came in. Uh, we'll take a look at those, and maybe, who knows, we'll even talk maybe about something else as we as we get rolling. Then we'll take a look at sentiment. This probably is the most interesting discussion. Uh, the big question is sentiment getting close to a washout, and if you're near a washout, maybe stocks can be near a pretty significant low. All right, Jeff. The Fed came out, I guess it was last Wednesday. We were, By the way, we are recording this on Tuesday morning. Um, what's the date, Jeff? Tuesday what? What is today? It is May 10th. There we go. The 10th. Tuesday, May 10th. Thank you for that. Um, and the Fed hiked rates last Wednesday, 75 basis points as expected. Felt like it was widely, I'm sorry, not 75, my apologies, 50 basis points as expected. Um, it was considered a dovish, at the time, dovish 50 basis point hike. We've had some time to think about it, Jeff. The question to you, though, is stocks went up a lot initially, then they did sell off. What's your take on what the Fed had to say last week? Well, it makes you think that uh, there are some machines uh, trading this market around because it's it's hard to imagine that people loved it on Wednesday and hated it on Thursday when really fundamentally nothing changed. So, um, you know, this is what we expected, right? We expected 50 basis points. Uh, Powell had already taken 75 off the table, uh, and uh, there was certainly, uh, you know, nothing in the comments that suggested that maybe we need to reassess our expectations, right? The LPA research team thinks, you know, maybe we'll get eight more hikes, give or take, could be seven more, something like that, uh, yeah. but not the 10 that markets were pricing in uh, for calendar 2022 uh, not long ago, because if they shrink the balance sheet, that's going to put upward pressure on yields. It already has. And maybe that'll do some of the work for the Fed so that when they get to around the elections, 
at the end of the year, they could potentially pause, which the market is not seeing right now. Are you saying that the Fed and Washington are on the same team? I didn't think that was possible. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want the appearance of a conflict, let alone a conflict. So maybe now granted, if we have a big inflation problem, uh, you know, politicians might want them to hike again. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because the Fed can't really solve this problem. They can help a bit, but they, they've admitted themselves that it's a supply problem, right? They can't exactly. fix COVID. They can't fix, fix China-driven supply chain disruptions. Uh, they this can't necessarily you know, force people back into the labor force if they're not ready. You know, There's a number of things driving this inflation. Uh, well, they can't affect uh, Ukraine. Russia conflict either. Number of things driving inflation higher that the Fed has no control over. So they're they're in a tough spot and they and investors really uh, are going to need uh, significant patience here. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Fed chairperson Powell said that demand is exceeding supply by a wide margin, kind of what you just talked about. And that's um, you know, why the Fed needs to continue to hike rates to potentially try to do its best to slow down the you know nearly 40-year highs we're seeing in inflation. Um, let me see another one. Uh, Fed Chairperson Powell noted that I believe it's called the Bever Beverage Curve. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. You look at all the open jobs versus unemployed workers. Jeff, it's currently two. So there's two openings for every unemployed worker. It was 1.2 back pre-pandemic. This just continues to show the major imbalance that we are seeing in the labor force. Clearly, it's got the Fed's attention. Um, what's your take on kind of the, the, the imbalance we're seeing with labor and how it all plays in everything? Oh, it's, it's, it's the greatest economist name ever, beverage. Yeah. There's just so many places you can go with that. Yeah, there's a ton of job openings. The problem with the labor markets right now is we just can't get enough workers to fill these jobs. Yeah. Right. And um, you would think that with COVID, uh, largely, not entirely, but largely in the rearview mirror for most people, uh, right? And savings starting to dwindle, right? It was a long time ago when, before, you know, when we stopped getting those stimulus checks. Uh, more people should come off the, the sidelines and, and, and work, but those participation rates are not moving higher anymore. They had this kind of big move, and I think we're still a point below pre-pandemic levels. So right. that's a lot of workers, you know, maybe a couple million workers that kind of disappeared that we thought would be back by now. Yeah, we'll talk more about the um, employment numbers that we saw last week, but the participation absolutely has uh, been probably, you'd say, a disappointment. Kind of, again, just some of the headlines um, that during the Q&A, uh, Jerome Powell kind of put some cold water, if you will, on the idea of a 75 basis point hike. Obviously, last week, they didn't do one, but even in the future. Um, you know, Jeff, what, what do you think of that? I mean, I, I didn't expect 75 basis points coming up. What do we think 50 just happened, probably 50 again. And, and I know the futures are looking at, you know, multiple 50s in a row. But what do you think about a 75? No, probably not. Um, the Fed, if the Fed is going to surprise the markets, they're going to put out a trial balloon ahead of time. Yeah. Right. They're, they're going to give some sort of warning. So I don't think um, we've gotten enough of a signal from anyone, frankly, even Bullard uh, lately, that, that she's just, we're going to see 75 basis <laughs> points at the next meeting. So look for another 50. Right. You know, it depends on obviously what inflation does from here. And we'll probably get some better news, not good news, but better news this week in terms of CPI and PPI inflation, probably going to come down. But um, 50, a couple meetings, and then a few, you know, 25s, and then maybe they'll reassess. So uh, that could put us around two and a half percent on the Fed funds rate. 
that feels, you know, when you're coming from zero, that feels pretty restrictive, even though it's most people consider that a neutral rate. So right. they, they could pause around there, even though some people are talking about having to go to three to have any impact uh, in, in an environment where they can't have a lot of impact, <laughs> right? Given that this is a supply driven inflation problem. Uh, I don't know that they want to risk going to three or higher quickly um, and, um, you know, potentially disrupt the markets and then the economy through that transition mechanism of tighter credit and lower stock prices. Right. Now, I know right around 250 Fed's fund rate was where we were in 2019 before the pandemic. So, you know, potentially going to work our way back there. But definitely we're watching the Fed every day, which leads to the next question, Jeff. Is the Fed put dead? Before we go there, Jeff, explain a little bit what the Fed put is to our listeners. Sure. Yeah, it, it's basically the theory that if the stock market goes down far enough, it'll cause the Fed to change its tune and become more dovish, yep. right? This happened in 2018, right? right? right. At the end of the year, um, you know, President Trump was certainly um, raising a stink about that rate, rate hike at that time, saying it was a mistake. He turned out to be right. Um, and uh, Powell, you know, reversed that move pretty quickly, right? So, um, you know, this is a different environment because we have high inflation. We had virtually no inflation back then. So, um, you know, it's going to be really hard for the Fed to say, oh, you know, the markets are down 20%. We're just, we're just going to stop. Mm -hmm. Now, could they, could they do that, you know, if we're down, I don't know, 40%, maybe. Could they do it if inflation is, is tamer? Sure. But we're just not, not there yet. So there could be a, a Fed put later on in the year, but I just think it's too early. No, exactly. I know the Bank of England, they, they, they hiked rates last week, but they also said, listen, there might be a recession on the horizon. That just sums up how difficult the situation is that a lot of central banks are in. You have to hike rates to combat the record inflation, but the economies are potentially weakening. I mean, and that's kind of where the Fed is. Now, the Fed, again, if you look at what Jerome Powell said, he still said business, <clears throat> business investment is strong. You know, household spending is solid. The economy likely will be able to have a soft landing and avoid a recession. Standard things that we've been hearing. Um, but again, I guess my, my take is I, I do think the Fed, maybe the Fed puts not dead, but maybe let's say it's on hold. Because again, the Fed... Jerome Powell wants to combat inflation, and and you know I'm with you, Jeff. I mean, I I think you know I think it was over ten hikes were expected before the Fed meeting, then it dropped beneath eight that initial day, then it kind of trickled higher though. But I'm with you that maybe it's not necessarily a Fed put, but a Fed um, potential save, if you will, could be we don't have ten hikes the rest of this year. We have more like seven or eight. But I mean, I, I think you kind of answered it. In your opinion, is the Fed put dead or on hold, or what do you what do you feel? Yeah, it is a strong term to say it's dead. Right. Because uh, at some point, the stock market goes down enough that it affects the economy. Right? Well, we just did that for the title of the podcast. You got to have a bold title for a podcast. You know, that's just how it is. <laughs> right. Grab attention. Exactly. Um, so, um, you know, could it be down, I don't know, 30%? Now, hopefully we don't get there. We don't think we'll get there. Right. But at that point, you could probably say that the wealth effect will cause consumers to spend less. It'll cause companies to reinvest less, right? There is that uh, transmission mechanism from lower stock prices to the real economy. Um, so sure, th there's a there's a put down there somewhere that causes them to pause. It's it's probably 
30% down at least, and maybe more. I, you know, most people put it in the 40 to 50% range, I think, when I've heard others uh, answer the same question. But that right. is not their mandate, right? Their mandate is jobs and prices, right? And so they're going to continue to focus on those two things. Yeah, I mean, a big chunk of last year, Jerome Powell, all he talked about was jobs, jobs, jobs. And the jobs market was strong. And then early November, I forget the exact day, but I do remember I was in a hotel in some little place in the middle of North Carolina when the Fed pivot took place. And that was when the Fed said, okay, we're not so much worried about jobs anymore. Employment picture's pretty good. Now we're worried about inflation. And those, again, that's the dual mandate. Um, still at the back of his head, you know, maybe he's paying attention to the stock market. I'm sure he is. Because like you said, the, the wealth effect is simply if people get their 401k statements and they realize they're, they're worth less than they were a quarter ago, two quarters ago, three quarters ago, you might not go out and you know take that extra nice vacation or upgrade to the nice suite at the vacation. You know, those are some of the things that clearly the Fed has its mind on. Uh, Jeff, any final comments on the Fed, the Fed put or anything else before we move forward? If if your stock's not up, you might not be able to buy Twitter. So there is a uh, wealth effect there, certainly. That's a good <laughs> That's an interesting point as well. Good point. So, Jeff, this past weekend was, let's see if I move to the next slide, was Mother's Day. What did uh, what did the Bookbinder household do for Mother's Day? Yeah, we, we caused market volatility, it seems, because every time we go away, uh, yeah. stocks go down. Uh, so we <laughs> went up to, uh, to Maine, stay in this nice place right on the ocean, and uh, mm. yeah, just got away. Kids stayed with Grandma and Grandpa, and, and it, was, uh, it was really nice. So great. Uh, Great Mother's Day for for mom, and um, although she didn't like my gift particularly, <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I got her a, I got her a mug. I think it's really funny. It says, "Screw this, I'm going back to bed." And uh, you know, it's it's, it's a lot of funny sort of mom mugs. Yeah. Out there and uh, it just right. I was trying to acknowledge how hard it is to be a mom with young kids and all the challenges that come with it. So uh, I thought it was funny, but um, that thankfully the vacation was was a winner and and more than offset. Uh, my bad choice of gag gifts. Well, next year, I think you just should get her an LPL Market Signals mug. Who wouldn't want one of those? I mean, that's the Mother's Day gift of all Mother's Day gifts, I think, next year. <laughs> I wish uh, I'd maybe talk we should, to you before the weekend. Yeah, maybe we should start selling some, uh, some T-shirts and things. But yeah, I actually flew up to Ohio, where I'm from originally, hung out with my mom for a couple of days. It was, uh, it was fun. Saw my brother and some other family members. We Went to a steakhouse, then we went to a local casino. My mom likes that, so we went to a casino um, on on Sunday and did a little gambling. I'm terrible at gambling, I, I tell you. That's just I already knew going in I was going to lose, and that's just what happened. So, you know, but it, it was fun hanging out with mom for a little bit. So she enjoyed it. So hopefully, all the moms out there listening to our podcast, thank you, and hopefully, you all had a great weekend. Um, when's uh, let's see, so Father's Day is what middle of June, right? So that's not too far away, right, Jeff? Four or five that's weeks, great. I guess. Our, yeah. our, our day is coming, so uh, yeah, hope our, the moms our, are uh, getting ready. Our, our day is coming more ways than not. You're right, but our, not, our day for Father's Day, <laughs> we're not yes. going to travel because we no. don't want any more market volatility. Yeah, that's true. You, you, you for, for the for the sake of the listeners, the bookbinders need to stay home for a while. Um, yeah, or again, just give us full notice when you're taking off because we know that volatility is coming. All right, Jeff, next thing we wanted to dive into is the idea of the economy, right? I mean, clearly we're getting lots of um, news on the economy. I mean, we've had the jobs number last week. We had GDP uh, number we can discuss a little bit and a really weak productivity number. Maybe I'll just start with the productivity number. Um, came in down 7.5%. 
Um, that was way worse than expected. It was actually the worst quarterly drop in productivity. By the way, it was the first quarter of productivity. Since 1947, <laughs> I mean, that is unbelievable. And the big worry that kind of let everyone peel back the onion, as we like to say, the unit labor cost was up 11.6% versus up 8%. So you had low productivity and continuing nearly spiraling out of control um, inflation. And that, that number definitely probably shook up the Fed a little bit. Um, you've had a little time to think about it. How worried are you about that productivity number, Jeff? Oh, I'm worried about unit labor costs. Yep. No doubt. I think that's what matters. I mean, this corporate America, this economy is is very productive, right? I mean, we you can see it in businesses we run across in our daily lives, how companies are doing more with less, right? You can't find labor. You replace labor with machines. You automate processes, right? This productivity boom has been going on for 30 years. Right. So from that point, I'm not too, too worried. But we're in a really tough spot right now where people can't get labor and labor, the companies are having to bid up labor. It's good for employees, certainly, although a lot of those higher wages are being uh, eaten away by higher inflation. So, you know, it'd be better if wages were up three and prices are up three, but instead we're, you know, wages up seven, I think is the year, year, year over year number on that unit cost labor statistic. And prices are up seven. Hopefully we get a seven handle on headline CPI uh, tomorrow, but, yep. uh, or the day after tomorrow, I think it is. But anyway, we'll, um, We'll see there, even though core inflation is only up about five. It's just a tough environment. It's going to take a little bit of time to work itself out. Oh, that's absolutely true. Now, if there's some potential good news in that productivity number, just be aware that it's one of the more volatile numbers that we have seen out of any economic data pieces in terms of how it's up a lot and then down a lot. I've got it here somewhere. Um, the fourth quarter was up 6.3% productivity, one of the best productivity numbers we've seen going back to the 1950s. And then the third quarter was down almost 4%. So it's kind of, you know, up and down, up and down. Most economists do expect a pretty big bounce back. Uh, one of the reasons um, why likely this productivity number was so, so weak was similar to the GDP number that came in a little bit weaker than expected because of uh, some trade uh, and trade deficits uh, played, a, played a number on it. But we do expect productivity to bounce back. I mean, Jeff, let's talk about that GDP number. I can't remember if we talked about it last week or not, but um, GDP came in down 1.4%, expected to be up 1.1%. Again, it seemed like if you strip out um, the, the negative 3%, negative 3.2% drop uh, that came due to the trade deficit, the number would have been a lot better. I mean, what, what do you think of that GDP print? And inventory is bouncing all around. Yep. I'm pretty sure we did talk about that last week. We're yeah. not just trying to take out the bad stuff to make it look better. Right. We're, what we're saying is, you know, businesses investing and consumers spending is what really drives the economy. Uh, I mean, government spending is a little bit of a piece too, but not, not huge. And so if you just take those two pieces that matter most, which some people call, I think, real final sales, mm -hmm. uh, you've got um, a pretty good number. You know, I think it was up up close to 3%. So that's probably what we're going to see when inventories and trade reverse is, is a string of, you know, GDP growth numbers in the neighborhood of 3%. Mentioned taking the two pieces that matter the most. That's like you and I, right? You take you and I out of this podcast. I mean, my goodness gracious. Although Neil's pretty awesome. Our producer, Neil, but still you kind of need all of us to get the, uh, get that, to get that solid print. But we did talk about that last week. That's true. And one final comment, consumer spending plus housing plus private sector investment came in at 3.2%. 
uh, versus 2.4% late last year. So yes, the economy isn't perfect, but again, there was a, a decent number there. Let's finish things up with the jobs number. Um, you know, the, 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 the lingo that I heard was, oh, where, where is it? Goldilocks. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before. The number came in at 428,000, uh, about 30,000, give or take, uh, more than expected. Um, there was some good news on the economic front in terms of economy, I'm sorry, in terms of inflation. Average hourly wages up 0.3%, expected to be up 0.5%. Um, you know, it seemed pretty solid job, but then that participation rate was lower than expected. And here's the one that I want to ask you about because you've talked about this before, there's the household survey also. And we've seen some discrepancies before. Okay, this is the monthly jobs number. And then the household survey, which is a little bit different, that came in down significantly, like down two or 300,000. I, I don't remember the exact number, but that's one of the first negative prints we've seen in like years on this number. What in the world's going on there? Talk to me about that. Yeah, so the, the household survey is you just ask households, are you working or right. are you looking for work, right? Uh, and, and that can be uh, a very different statistic than payrolls, which are companies paying people, mm -hmm. right? You're actually on the payroll uh, getting paid. And so um, they're, they're two totally different surveys, totally different groups of people, and essentially a different question. So, um, you know, they, they can vary when a lot of people stop saying they're looking for work. Yeah. There's, a, there's a time limit on that. I think if you, you know, aren't looking for work for a certain amount of time, I don't know if it's six months or what, but you'd, you'd fall off. Um, there's also part-time work, you know, Uber and DoorDash drivers and whatnot, right? It's, it's tricky to account for these people uh, sometimes, depending on how much they're working and all of that. So that creates some noise. So, but I don't even think any of that really matters. What matters is that the job market is tight. If you want a job, you can get a job. Yeah. Um, you know, granted, there's some skills mismatches still that we were talking about during the last economic expansion where the jobs people can find maybe aren't the ones they want, but more of it is just people in their fifties and sixties just saying, you know, I'm gonna hang it up a little earlier than I had thought, um, you know, for a variety of, of, of reasons. So don't lose sight of the fact that this is a really strong market. Demand is strong, people, wages are rising. People can get jobs if they want the jobs. Uh, that are available. You mentioned a two-to-one ratio of job openings to unemployed people, which is yep. really hard to um, hard to imagine. But the problem is it's pushing up wages because you got bidding wars. Um, hopefully, we can get that participation rate up and reduce the upward pressure on on wages, which are the biggest uh, cost line item for companies. We've seen from the um, I think it's the Bureau of Labor Statistics that had a study out that said. Um, or maybe it was the BEA, whichever it was. Whoever, that, whomever, government, whomever. government economic agency said that there's a there's forty percent of costs for all of corporate America go to labor. Yeah, that's a big that's a big 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 chunk. So that's why it really matters. It connects to this earnings season, right? Companies have done a great job managing cost pressures, wages, and other cost pressures, and have still beat earnings by um, about five points. And are still about you know eighty percent of companies beating estimates. It's really tremendous. Forward estimates have risen a bit. Very surprising to me. A pleasant surprise. So yeah, gotta gotta hand it to the companies out there. They're just doing a great great job in a tough uh, environment, no doubt. 
No, absolutely. Um, you know, so so what? I mean, just briefly, we're talking about the economy. What is earnings season? What's the year over year quarter? Is it ten percent, nine percent? Where is it looking with earnings season wrapping up here? Yeah, it's 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 tracking to to ten okay. based on facts at numbers, but some shops calculate the earnings differently, and they have eleven and twelve. Mm-hmm. And then you know, we've joked about hey, if you take out the bad stuff, it gets right. better. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's instructive that if you take out the financial sector which had the massive loan loss reserve releases last year and is now seeing a year-over-year decline in earnings. You take financials out, it's about 20%, uh, up wow. 20% year-over-year, which is really um, a big, big number. Given that last quarter, the last year's first quarter wasn't awful, right? I mean, we were reopening. Yeah, let's go. I like that. Let's take the bad stuff out and just focus on that. That's 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 good. Um, so Jeff, so I want to take a second here and talk about anything is possible. Did you watch the Kentucky Derby by any chance with Rich Strike on Saturday afternoon, Jeff? I, I didn't watch live, but I saw the the replay of that, you know, last few legs. Wow, that yeah. was unbelievable. I, I don't think I've ever seen a horse come from that far behind in that short uh, of a of a space it was just remarkable that, just given nobody expected anything oh, out of that horse i mean the guy was not even racing in it the day until the day before right he was an alternate i think it was 80 to one so you know if an 80 to one shot can win the derby maybe maybe just maybe stocks can finally go up but what what got me was you know at the end of the race the, the, the horse that won was like attacking the other horse i don't know if you saw that he was like biting him and stuff it was it was it was wild and i said it's, it's kind of one of the biggest upsets it's probably john daly right john daly was the ninth alternate at crooked stick back in the mid nineties. I forget the exact year. Um, you know, he, he went until the morning they teed off. John Daly was not supposed to tee off at that um, PGA championship. And he got the, got the go ahead and goes out there and wins the thing, you know, so you talk about upsets biggest ever. And I think rich strike and John Daly are one and two um, in my opinion, at least. So just pretty, pretty amazing. Anything's possible. And also we joked last week, how terrible the reds are. I mean, I, I get it. The reds are terrible. They were, I think, three and twenty-two at one point, but they've actually won a few games lately. So anything is possible, wow. Jeff. Um, you know, they're—I <laughs> I think they've won three out of four or something. Now, again, I get it. That's not great, but when you're, you know, like two multi-ten-game losing streaks, <laughs> first month and a half in the year, we'll take a week and get. So, Jeff, let's go forward now. The idea of maybe stocks finally can bottom, right? Anything's possible. On the YouTube channel, I'm sharing. I'll, I'll start with this and I'll go to you. Just some recent covers. I'm sorry, recent um, um, articles that I've read. Barron's been a huge fan of Barron's. Barron's been very right. I said it might have been the uh, most bearish I've ever seen Barron's over the weekend. Two different um, articles in the Barron's said the stock market is taking a beating. It won't end soon. Another one said there could be more downside ahead for the stock market. And then the Drudge Report, and I get it, you know, Drudge Report, take from it what you will. They had a cover that said, or a headline that said, stock struggle. Nowhere near bottom. It is very, very um, uniform now, Jeff, that stocks only have one way to go, and that's down, because we've gone down a lot. You tell me, in the in history of stock markets, that everyone agrees on something, or really history of anything, if everyone agrees on something, usually that's kind of where you're near a change in trend, um, because anyone who wants to have bought has already bought, or anyone who wants to sell has probably already sold. So talk to me about sentiment here, Jeff. Um, you think we're close. We got the recipe there, but is it going to work? I think we're pretty close in terms of level. Yep. Um, you know, it's always hard, uh, of course, to um, to pick a level where you think might be 
the, the ultimate lows. But um, if you compare this environment to you know, prior sort of Fed-driven uh, sell-offs where you didn't get a recession, now we think, we, of course that could be wrong, but we are pretty confident we're not gonna get a recession in the next year. Right. So in that kind of environment, you, know, you get some high teens corrections, uh, even a couple of bear markets, shallow bear markets, but you don't get much worse than that. So that's why, you know, we think uh, this is about as bad as it gets. Um, but, you know, you're watching the sentiment indicators, Ryan, to, to see if we've get, we get this flush, right? Well, a lot of people call it capitulation, right? I thought it was capitulative selling uh, on Thursday of last week. Uh, but then we got more capitulative selling. Say that 10 times fast. My goodness. Yeah, on Monday of this week, right? Don't ask me to spell it. So, um you know, that's part of the buying process. It, it can take some time. We could still be at this level a few weeks from now, but this level feels pretty cheap. I mean, if you if you haircut forward earnings by 10% and you haircut the multiple we think we're going to get to by 10%, you can still go higher. <laughs> like, like, you know, take the um, take sort of what we think might be a reasonable worst case scenario. And seems like stocks are going to be um, a good bit higher a year out. So we, we as a group still believe that. Yeah, I mean, I think as of last night, S&P's pulled back about 17, more, a little over 17% from the early January 2nd highs. Your average midterm year pulls back 17%, some point peak to trough. We talked a lot at the beginning of the year saying, listen, we could have a 10 to 15%, maybe a little bit more correction. No, we didn't expect it to happen as quickly as it has, but the fact that it's happening isn't overly surprising. I think, you know, when you look at market sentiment, there are different sentiment polls, the AAII, and in our weekly market commentary, we took a look at this, just a difference between bulls and bears. Not surprisingly, it's one of the widest we've seen since, you know, like almost March 2009, actually, some of the lowest bulls we've ever seen. I mean, Jeff, I think a big reason why some of these investors are so discouraged is one could say you're quote unquote only 17% off the high. And believe me, your median S&P 500 stock is in a bear market. Literally more than half, the, there's 3,500 stocks in the NASDAQ. More than half of them are like cut in half, okay? Some of the previous high flyers and Netflix, DocuSign, some of the stuff that everybody loved during the pandemic um, has just been just crushed. I think that's a big reason. Bonds hasn't done well, and some of these high flyers have really come back to earth. Um, you know, when you factor that in, what what do you think about about some of those concepts, Jeff? Yeah, those will. Well, maybe maybe I don't want to predict um, early reversals for the highest PE, most speculative yeah. um, pandemic winners. But I think tech could could be a leader on the way out broadly because mm -hmm. it was, you know, kind of the poster child for where yeah. the weakness was. Right? It's very interest rate sensitive right now. So if yields and inflation stabilize, which we think is coming soon, you're probably going to see growth recover uh more than more than value at least you know that would be uh uh my view so uh some areas have already had their bear market nasty bear market in fact yes. but other areas have held up fairly well and might be still um you know yet to take their turn uh getting taken out to the woodshed but you know we're down 17 maybe maybe down 20 is is what you need to attract more buyers um, we'll have to see, but, you know, we, we debated at our investment committee meeting, um, you know, are we in the fifth inning of this sell-off or are we in the eighth, ninth inning? You know, I think we're in between there, maybe the seventh or eighth, mm -hmm. you know, the, the starting pitcher's tired and has to come out, but you probably need two more relievers to get this game over with. 
Well, let's let's hope those relievers do a good job. I guess is what we're going to do. We have the lead. <laughs> I'm teasing. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, but no, no, really, really interesting stuff. I mean, you look at things like put to call ratios. One of the knocks on this weakness was we haven't quite seen a major surge in put to call ratios. We're starting to see that, so that's part that's needed. Um, sentiment surveys are very bearish. It's just anecdotally, you know, doing this for a living. I'm hearing from a lot of people that I haven't heard from in a long time. And you, you got to wonder the, the, the contrarian nature of, of that as well. But I think the key concept, Jeff, you pointed out, if you don't, if you're not in a recession, you know, usually, you know, 18, 19, 20% pullbacks are what you tend to see. If you're in a recession, yes, the, the, these pullbacks can go a lot, a lot further. Um, the poster child's 87 stocks pull back 34% without a recession, but let's not forget stocks are also up 40% for the year at the start of August. We're not seeing that. That rubber band was stretched awfully far. So, you know, maybe this time is different, uh, so said Sir John Templeton, but we don't see quite that extreme. But again, we think we're in the, we're in the ballpark. And uh, in our latest weekly market commentary, we did take a look at market sentiment. And again, um, we think we're, we're, we're close. I mean, Jeff, uh, you get a little, little geeky here, but if you look at um, common retracements, a 38% retracement is a common retracement. Uh, from the lows in March of 2020 to the peak in January, 38% retracement is 3,800 on the S&P, 38 and 38, 38 special. Good band, by the way. And if you, if you have that 3,800, that's also right about 20%. I mean, if we pull back sometime in the future to 3,800, you're the equity strategist. Would you be saying, you know, this is, this is, this is a great time, buy and hand over fist, or how would you be looking at that world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, you don't know for sure uh, mm -hmm. if that's the low, but it appears likely uh, that thirty-eight to thirty-nine hundred will will hold, or maybe even a little bit higher, as as the low. Just again, you know, based on uh, historical precedents, and it's hard to find an environment that's just like this, of course. But yep. still, based on historical precedents, the lack of a recession, midterm uh, election year, inflation problem that's probably going to look a lot better. In a year or two, right? In in really tough markets, it's helpful to look a year or two out. It's uh, hard to predict, but if you look a year or two out, try to predict where earnings are going to be and where interest rates and multiples are going to be. Uh, it'll make you feel better about jumping into this market if you get another shot at you know, let's say thirty eight to thirty nine hundred. If all you cheap. saw was very high inflation, issues with Russia, and it's a midterm year. Oh, and by the way, stocks are doing very very poorly. You might say that sounds a lot like 1982 because that's what we saw in 1982. Later in the year, uh, I forget, I think uh, September, October-ish, very, very significant low was made and it kicked off obviously a multi-decade bull market. Not saying we see something like that, but again, some of these recipes are repeating themselves. And um, you know, we've, we've talked before, midterm years tend to bottom later in the year. Just something to be very, doesn't have to happen. There's something to be very, very aware of. Maybe we get a little summer bounce here and then maybe one more push lower, defend the lows, kind of make a double bottom and then form the lows. But we're, we're watching it very, very closely. Jeff, I mean, we talked to brief, and we're probably at the end of the road here. We talked briefly about it. The big thing is obviously CPI this week. Tell me again, what you're expecting from that CPI number? Yeah, it's going to come down probably about a half a point on the year over year, but it's largely because of comparisons. Uh, you know, the inflation picture over the last month hasn't gotten meaningfully better, yeah. right? But still, it's going to be a top. It's going to look like a top anyway. I mean, could it go higher later? I guess, but probably not. So um, I think the market's going to like it. 
Um, it's going to be headline around 8%, uh, but that's certainly better than 8.5%. And then uh, we should see about the same story on, on, on PPI. So, uh, in fact, for the last couple of months, we've been pointing to this set of inflation data as potentially marking a peak. Um, and uh, that, that appears likely from where I sit. And even though uh, you know our chief economist, Jeff Roach, has talked about how it's going to be stubbornly slow mm -hmm. to come down just because of the mechanics of how inflation is calculated. But um, good chance we, we get a forehandle by the end of the year. Yeah, just a couple other comments on that. The, the Mannheim used car index, we've talked about this before, was down another 1% last month. That's three straight months now. Used cars have come down pretty significantly. Uh, the year-over-year -year used cars are up only 14%. That's the lowest Year of your increase in new cars since I've got it here, July 2020. Right, we've said the auto industry, a lot of industries impacted by everything that's going on. The auto industry might have been impacted more than just about anything. So to see used car prices coming back to earth quickly is a positive sign. Also, we've seen some of the PMI data that we had last week. Delivery times improved. Also, the number of empty containers that are at some of the ports has been increasing. Also, the time that ships sit at the ports was 35 days back in December. Uh, that's more like single mid-single digits right now. So again, some, some baby steps, some positive signs and the supply chain concerns and with used car prices also dropping pretty significantly. That could be a sign that inflation, again, is very, very near a peak and maybe going to start to pull back. All right, Jeff. Well, it was a good show this week, hopefully. Um, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. We really appreciate the uh, listens and the comments. And if you like it, give us a like, give us a follow, uh, give us a positive review. It goes a long way. We really appreciate that. And with all that, we will be back next week to continue to try our very best to see what's going on out there and describe it the best way that we see it. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarded the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Bell Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, Please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.